Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for the hearers. I thank you for the Word that comes with power right now. And Lord, I pray that the entrance of that Word will give light and understanding to the simple. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. So we've been talking about spiritual maturity. The first episode of that, we had to deal with what makes the believer mature from the place of infancy to the place of uh, maturity of full age. From the book of Hebrews chapter 5, we saw that the writer was recommending that milk had to be given to the one who is a babe uh, from the place of infancy. And at full age, he will be handed over um, meat, strong meat, right? So we saw that that milk that grows the believer from the place of uh, infancy to full age is actually the word of his grace, which is able to build us up as Paul declares in Acts chapter 20 verse 38. He says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst those that are sanctified. And from the account of Peter, we also see what the milk is, where he says, desire the sincere milk of the word in First Peter chapter 2 from verse uh, 2 to 3. He says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. And verse 3 of that First Peter chapter 2 says, if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious to you. So we see that the milk of the word of God is the grace of God. So what makes the believer grow is the message of the grace of God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, teaching and admonishing one another, you know, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, if you look at it, it says, Let the word of Christ, not just the word of God, because the word of God um, that edifies you is the word of his grace which speaks of all that Christ has done for you and I so that's why Colossians 3 verse 16 says let the word of Christ dwell richly in you right and it's important for us to pay attention to the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's what grows the believer that's what makes the believer um, um, takes the believer from infancy to maturity but Today, I want to show you something, you know, um, as we have received that word, right, which um, makes us newborn babes, of which your position in Christ is in exactness to who Christ is, there is um, the responsibility of the believer to actually grow. So in as much as you are in your position as a newborn babe complete in Christ, the Bible says you are complete in him. There is that responsibility for you to grow because man is tripartite in nature and also salvation is in three phases. We were saved, we are being saved, and we shall be saved. The salvation of our bodies in the future tense. But the salvation of our soul, the experience of maturity or the sanctification process is a present continuous experience of which the believer has to mature in Christ. And then the past tense of salvation is what has happened to our spirit. That's an act, not a process. But our being saved is a process. And then we shall be saved. That's a futuristic 
thing that will come to where uh, the, the, the mortality, the, the mortality of our bodies exchange for immortality. And, and that's in the day of the Lord or the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So importantly, I want to show you what the word of his grace is actually, which the Bible speaks of in Acts chapter 20 verse 38 that says it's able to build us up. So what is this word of his grace? right what are the things that we need to grow in what what is what is the word of his grace focusing on so i'm going to begin with titus chapter 2 verse 11 titus chapter 2 verse 11 and i read that in your hearing it says for the grace of god that bringeth salvation had appeared to all men so the bible speaks of the grace of god here the grace of god and it is the word of his grace that builds us up so if I'm going to grow from the place of infancy to uh, the place of maturity, I need to focus on the word of his grace. Now, Titus 2.11 says that grace of God has appeared to all men. Now, let us look at Titus chapter 3 verse 4 and we will see what the grace of God really is. So it says, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our savior toward man appeared. So uh, chapter 2 verse 11 says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And then chapter 3 verse 4 says, and after that the kindness and the love of God appeared. So it means that the grace of God is the same thing as the kindness of God and the love of God. So whenever we talk about the grace of God, we're talking about the kindness of God and the love of God. That's what the grace of God means. It means the kindness of God and the love of God. So when you speak about the love of God, how he has loved you through Christ, that is the grace of God. When you speak about the kindness of God, that is what it means when you say the grace of God. Remember um, um, what John said in the book of John chapter 1 verse 17. It says, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And this is so powerful for us to know. Uh, a lot of people say when you preach, pastor, when you preach the grace of God, let people know the truth. Now, that's, there's error in that comment because you cannot actually separate truth from grace. Because if you can divide Jesus into two, then, then grace and truth is different. But grace and truth, meaning that, if I'd like to put it this way, that grace is the truth of Jesus Christ. And truth is about the grace of God. So you can't separate both of them. That grace is truth and truth is the grace of God. So they go hand in hand and you don't separate them. And this is so important for us to know. Now, I want you to see also that knowing that the grace of God is the love of God and the kindness of God it means that we have to grow in our knowledge of how much he has loved us. Because if we know how much he loves us, we are going to grow and not be baby Christians. So your understanding of your father's love will, is predicated on um, your understanding that, look, he loves me, he cares for me. And, and because this has nothing to do with my love for him, but everything to do with his love for me, that is going to grant you spiritual development and growth. And that's what I want to show you 
uh, today and I want you to join me on this journey. Now let's see Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 17. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17. I want you to go there with me. And it reveals a very powerful truth there that I want you to see. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. So um, God wants us to be grounded in love. And this was a prayer uh, by Paul, the apostle, that the Ephesian church will be grounded in love. That they will be grounded and rooted in love. When you are grounded and rooted in love, it speaks of your maturity. Now, as simple as this might sound... Your understanding of his love guarantees maturity. My father said to me one day that the highest level of maturity for a believer is when the believer knows to the deepest dimension how much God loves him. Now that statement sounded so simple, but it is so true and powerful and scriptural that when you know how much God loves you, 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 you come to the place of maturity. Many times when we exude or exhibit a lack of maturity is because we don't know how loved we are. And for us to know how loved we are, we have to see what Christ has done for us. Now let's keep reading. It says, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length and depth and height and verse 19 says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul is saying to know something that is beyond human understanding, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Uh, let me read the Amplified Version for you. And let's see what it says. It says, verse from verse 17, it says, May Christ through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. Then verse 18, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. That is the breadth and length and height and depth of it hallelujah this is so powerful you know when we talk about i mean this is popularly called the four dimensions of god's love when we talk about the dimensions of god's love the breadth of his love we're talking about you know um how wide this love is and how much this love cuts across it cuts across both the saved and the unsaved that's how much he loves us right and god is not um partial in his love for mankind God wants everyone to be saved. That's the breath of his love. His love, the forgiveness that, that Jesus has offered is forgiveness to the world, not just forgiveness to believers. So everybody has been forgiven. And look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. It says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. So God wants everybody to be saved. And that's how, why, that's the breath of God's love. He wants 
everybody to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Also, we look at Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. And this is so important, that God wants everyone. It is his desire. That's how wide. I mean, that's the breadth of God's love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. For God so loved the world, not just the church, not just um, um, the people who would come to him eventually, but the whole world. It is his disposition. And, and you know, this says a lot to us. When we see people die uh, because of the pandemic or we see people go through stuff and we say, Oh, God has killed. God, God is sending this. That's not the disposition of God. The, the, the love of God is so wide and, and it tells you his disposition towards mankind. He, he doesn't want any to perish. Praise God. And, and this is so important for, for this knowledge to rest in your spirit that God loves the world. He loves people. In fact, God will bypass your understanding. He will bypass your circumstance just to bless you. Someone was saying, Oh, because I didn't answer the calling of God upon my life. And that's the reason why God took away my children, right? It's not God who took your children away. It's not God who killed your, your relative or your loved one. That's, that's not God. It's not God. Job said in the scripture, The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But you know, Job didn't read the book of Job. When he, he got to heaven... I'm sure he would realize that it wasn't God who actually took, it was the devil who actually took. So the fact that you see a statement in the scripture doesn't mean um, it's a statement of truth. It might be a true statement that was truly recorded in the Bible, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a statement of truth. And if, if you understand that, you would know that truly um, God is consistent in his disposition towards mankind. He loves the Jews and he loves the Gentiles. The, the covenant that he made with the Israelites, it was a covenant of salvation, protection, favor, and blessing for the, the descendants of Abraham, so to speak. But God in his infinite mercy is going to extend salvation to the Gentiles. His Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham, verse 14, might rest on the Gentiles. So you see, we who are Gentiles, the Yoruba man, the Igbo man, the Hausa man, everybody has come to salvation because Jesus Christ has brought that, the grace of God that brings salvation has, has appeared to all men. So you can see the breath of God's love. Praise God. And you must always remind yourself that if he loves the unbeliever, how much more me? You've got to always remind yourself and when you look at um, um, the length of his love, because it talks about the breadth of his love, the four dimensions of his love, the breadth of his love, the length of his love, the depth of his love, and the height of his love. So when you look at the length of his love, the length of his love speaks of the fact that this love lasts forever. It's not a love that will start today and end tomorrow. It's not a love that is circumstantial. 
God loves you always, always, all the time. We always sing that song in our church. Um, he's intentional about us. He loves us. Written by Uzoma. He's intentional about us. He loves us all the time. And we must always remember that God loves us all the time. Praise God. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3, it says, The Lord had appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. You must always tell yourself, He loves me with an everlasting love. Now, this is the old covenant. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. That's what he said to um, Jeremiah. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. How much more you? How much more you who is in the new covenant? You are loved forever. You are loved forever. And that is so powerful for us to understand and to know. Look at um, John chapter 13 verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them to the end. And that's what I want to point out to you, that Jesus loved them to the end. The love of God that we're talking about is not a love that we give up when you give up. That's not the love of God. The love of God we're talking about is not a love that gives up when you fail or when you mess up. Or when you do what is wrong. That's not the love of God. This love of God is eternal. It is eternal. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And I have drawn you with my loving kindness. That's what he says. So, I mean, some people would say, um, you know, uh, we've been saved by grace. But you see, you need to um, work out your salvation to get to heaven. That's a wrong doctrine. And it, the wrongness of that doctrine is in the scripture. I mean, they put it this way, that getting, getting born again is like getting a visa or getting a passport. But going to heaven is like getting the visa. And that's not God for you. The love of God that saved you from the start is able to save you when it's time to go to heaven. So I'm not afraid of... Um, it's not a conversation for me whether I'm going to heaven or not. Because that love, the length of that love, is it, it will last forever. It doesn't give up in the middle. Um, most times we use the love that our father has loved us with. Our earthly fathers, our earthly mothers, or our earthly friends have loved us with to judge the love of God. You know, if a loving father is going to give his son... Um, uh, bread when he asks for bread and not stone how much more will God how much more how much more so we can't use the experience of our love relationships to explain the love of God the love of God is supernatural the love of God is everlasting the love of God will last forever second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 16 it says now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. And this is so powerful for you to know that God has loved you forever and given you everlasting consolation through grace. Through grace, you have everlasting consolation. 
and he has loved you forever. Praise God, somebody. So you must always remind yourself. These are the truths that you remind yourself of, that he loves me. You focus on his love. You begin to grow in your consciousness. You know he loves me. You begin to grow. These are the things to meditate on. So when we talk about the grace of God, the grace of God is about the kindness of God and the love of God. Praise God. What is the depth of this love? The depth of this love is how deep God went to save people. I mean, he went deep down into hell. The Bible says that he preached to the spirits in prison. And if you read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 to 10, it says, Wherefore he said, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. And that's important. The one who descended is the one who ascended. And his love speaks of the fact that he was able to descend and didn't just save those who were here on earth, but those who had died before he came. He went deep down and he saved them. His love is so powerful enough to reach to the deepest, the most depraved state of man. And he saved us. So two things. He went physically. He went down to save people and preached to the spirits in prison. Number two, he saved us from our most depraved state, which is the state of sin. So when you remember that your sins have been forgiven... That's to show you the depth of his love. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't want you, God didn't wait for you to have good behavior before he saved you. He didn't observe you to know if you were um, good or if you were right and then he would save you. No, whilst you were yet sinners, whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and he saved us. That's what the book of Romans teaches us. Hallelujah, somebody. And also, if we look at Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, it says, Come now and let us reason together. Say the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And that's the depth of God's love. That in our sin, in our darkest moments, he's able to reach out and he's able to save us. And he has given us the gift of righteousness today because of how deep his love is. Is praise God, and also when we talk about the heights of His love, we see how His love has raised us up, and we're seated together with Him in heavenly places. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 4 to 6, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and had raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Praise God. It is his love that did that. It is his love that did that. His love is so great. The Bible says for great love wherewith he loved us. So therefore he has quickened us and we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places far above principalities and powers. And that's the height of his love. And apart from the fact that he has raised us positionally to be seated in the heavenly places, he has also raised our status, that we are not just forgiven sinners, but we have become sons. 
I mean, the Bible says in First John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the sons of God. Hallelujah. That we should become called the sons of God. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, For as many as received him, to them he gave power to be called the sons of God. So you and I are sons today, not just forgiven sinners, not just pardoned sinners, but we have been justified. We have been acquitted. We owe sin nothing anymore. The debt of sin has been paid for by the finished work of Jesus Christ. And this is where you and I come to rejoice. My brother, my friend, my sister, if you meditate on his love for you, there is no way you would not grow because you are focusing on the right things. But if you keep looking at condemnation, you keep looking at your sins. You keep looking at how depraved you are and you fail to see his love. You can never rise out or rise up from where you are. But the moment you see your father's love, it begins to build faith in your heart. Now, let me also let you know that when you hear the word faith, it is not a disconnected word from love because faith is connected to love. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, it says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything but faith working by love. And what is this love? It is the grace of God. So when you heard the message of the grace of God, that's when faith was born in your heart. It wasn't your faith that got you saved. It was the faith that came with the message of the gospel. So the gospel carries faith in itself that in the hearing of the gospel, faith is implanted in your spirit and then you believe and, and therefore you are saved. For the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing. Faith comes. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's how it happens. I mean, faith is born in your heart the moment you hear the word of God. So it is not that you hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and then you have to walk faith by yourself. No, no, no. It's as you hear the message of his love, there is faith. There is, there is a stirring of faith because that faith is embedded in that word of grace as it comes to your spirit. Praise God. So I want you to meditate on his love because that is how you grow. That is how you grow. Uh, let me put it this way to you. The best way to grow um, your children is by letting them know how much you love them. And, and that's so important because um, any child that grows in an atmosphere where the child doesn't think or believe he or she is loved, that child would likely have a lot of um, um, complex issues and inferiority insecurities and all of that but when a child is under the atmosphere of his father's love his mother's love that child is bound to grow right and love knowing how much your father loves you is so powerful is so much of a key to your growth spiritually so you must always tell yourself in this season i'm loved regardless of what you see God has demonstrated his love towards me that whilst I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me and he loved me. We cannot outgrow the Father's love. You don't outgrow being loved by the Father. We don't get to the point where because you have beards and because you have some muscles now, you don't need the Father's pampering. Look, <laughs> it is his pleasure. It is his delight that he lavishes you with his love all the time. 
So we never outgrow his love. We never get too strong to receive his love. We never get too self-sufficient to receive his love. We must always remind ourselves that we are loved of God. Praise God, somebody. Now, let me show you something in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. I read that to you. It says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Now, this is so powerful. I want to differentiate between um, love as what you know, as what you understand, and love as an experience that you genuinely, truly feel in your heart. Now, a lot of people can teach the love of God but have never experienced the love of God. You can talk to someone about the love of God but you've never felt the love of God before. And the, the, the way you feel the love of God is a working of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, you already have it. And this is so important because people have gone through experiences in life. People, you have no idea of what people have gone through and nobody even knows what you have gone through. But you see, there is a way that God will bring you out of what you've been through and that is solely by the Holy Spirit he has given you to bring you to the experience of his love. That regardless of what you've experienced, you can come out of it because there is a revelation of his love that is poured out in your heart. Now look at this scripture again. It says, because the love of God is shed abroad, is poured out. I like some other versions. It says, it's lavishly poured. It, 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 God wasted his love in your heart by the Holy Spirit. He has, if there's anything like that, he has, he has lavished you with his love. Praise God. Now see the Amplified Version. It says, Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us for God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I want you to come today to the experience of this love. Not just the mental accent of His love, but the experience of this love. The experience of this love. I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 17 again. And read the Amplified Version to see what it says. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 17. It says, May Christ through faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and found and founded securely in love. Then verse 18, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience. Now, this is where I'm, I'm going. The experience of that love. What is the breath, right? Uh, the length and the height and the depth of it. Then look at verse 19, the Amplified Version. It says that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves. And that's what I want you to by the Holy Spirit come to, that you would not just um, stay in the place of talking God's love, but you will come to the place of experiencing God's love, the sweetness in your heart that you are meant to feel because of the presence of the Holy Spirit that you carry. It says that you would, um, to come to know practically through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge, without experience. So we're not just talking about knowing it or being able to write about it, 
but we're talking about the love that delivers men from from pain of the past, from experiences of yesterday, from traumatic experiences, from um, 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 circumstances that have prevailed over time and have become a long-standing mountain in people's lives. Uh, someone was asking a question one day, Pastor, how is God going to minister to um, people who have gone through issues from their childhood, maybe a lady raped, abused, and, and all of that, you know, how is God going to minister his love? That's not your work to do. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to do that he would minister his love to those kinds of people, to people who have been through life, right? And whilst you might think they are the only ones, or whilst you might think you're the only one who has gone through what you're going through, um, there are so many people in the world who have been through what you've been through and have come out strong by the help of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to give yourself to the Holy Spirit and truly get to experience practically for yourself the love of Christ. Praise God. That you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body holy filled and flooded with God himself. Praise God. That you will come to know his love. That you will come to know his love. And I want you to stay in that place where you keep reminding yourself of God's love. Let me show you something in Ephesians chapter 6. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 12. says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13. Therefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, when Paul is saying, take on the whole armor of God, he's speaking of responsibility here. And this responsibility is tied to your um, spiritual maturity and development here. And I want you to see something. It says in verse 14, stand, um, yeah, it says, stand therefore having your loins get about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet showed with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked verse 17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god verse 18 praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, here is what I want to show you. When Paul was teaching the Ephesian church to take on the whole armor of God, he was telling them to do something in their experience that they already had or were in their position. Now, let me explain that. He spoke about the breastplate of righteousness, that they should put on the breastplate of righteousness. How do you put on what you already have? Because the Bible says that you're already righteous in Christ. So why am I supposed to put on the breastplate of righteousness again? Um, why do I put on the helmet of salvation when I've already been saved? Is it my responsibility to get myself saved? That's not what Paul is saying. But if you look at all the armor here that Paul is speaking about, every armor here is a consciousness. Is a consciousness. So let's start from truth. Uh, the belt of truth, 
the belt of truth there is not telling the truth but it is the truth that i spoke to you about in john chapter 1 verse 17 where it says uh the, the law was given by moses but grace and truth came by jesus christ so that truth there is the grace of god that god is gracious to me that's what that truth is therefore uh, stands for so it says having your loins get about with truth that you need to be conscious of the truth and that's what it means to put on truth it is consciousness of the truth it says having on the breastplate of righteousness it is not saying your own righteousness it is saying having a consciousness of your righteousness in christ because this is the armor of god not your own personal armor so you are wearing the armor of god i mean if you watched uh, the avengers i love the avengers my favorite character is the iron man um you saw the guy be in, in the suit right if somebody else was in the suit and knew how to operate uh, the suit he would be exactly like the iron man so you're not seeing the person inside you're seeing the person on the outside so when you wear and put on the armory the full armory of god you actually look exactly as the mature soldier right the mature believer as long as you know how to use those things that you are carrying you look you're not going to look like yourself you're going to look built and according to the stature of the armory and that's what it is so when you put on the whole armor of god it is saying come to the place of strength and maturity you must grow in the consciousness of your righteousness you must grow in the consciousness of truth the graciousness of god um when it talks about the word of god you must grow in the consciousness of what god's word has said about you right so it is a consciousness but let me focus on truth here um put on the whole armor of god get your loins about with truth right now i have a question to ask you if the devil sees that someone is fully dressed up in the armor what do you think his first approach is going to be um he may want to throw arrows at you he may want to attack you but it may not be effective because you are wearing an armor so the first thing he wants to do is to make you remove the armor so the, the first attack of the devil with one who is wearing the armor is to get the person to drop the armor so that he can throw a lethal strike or a lethal blow on the person now one of the things that you must understand is that the consciousness of truth must always be in your spirit and what is that truth that god is gracious to me that's something you must always say to yourself that the lord is gracious to me the lord loves me i am loved by my father i am loved by my father the extent of his love is unsearchable and the devil wants you to drop that consciousness and make you feel that you are not loved because of what you've been through because of what you've gone through and he will make you react to people and respond to people from the place of your pain rather than from the place of healing and from the place of who you are in Christ um you know we owe it a lot to our children especially to build them up in the way of God's love and to make them see that they are loved by God because that atmosphere raises up you know to 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 a very strong degree raises a very well formidable child you know um i i've come across a lot of people who by not by virtue of what they've done to themselves but by virtue of what has happened to them have become skewed 
and they see things differently and inappropriately, right? And that's because of this lack of experience of love. They, so people are in search of love today. But the more we keep pointing people to the love of God, the more we bring healing to the nations and the more the believer will come to the place of maturity. So we need to keep preaching God's love in our character, in our behavior, in our understanding, in our speech. We need to keep speaking the love of God. And I just want to say to you here, put on the belt of truth. And that truth is saying God is gracious to you. God is gracious to your family. Regardless of what happened, God loves you. You know, Paul was so persuaded. He said that neither death nor life shall separate me from the love of God. I am persuaded. I'm so persuaded. And I know that nothing can separate me from the love that God has for me. So I want you to come to that consciousness of his love in this season. And never put away the consciousness of his love. No matter what you go through. Praise God. Lastly, I'm going to show you a scripture in 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. Glory to God, somebody. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 17. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, look at the word, um, hearing is our love made perfect. What is the meaning of hearing is our love made perfect? It's saying to you that perfection of love is not the love that starts from you. That's not, that's not what it means. But perfection of love is a love that originates from him, that translates to you, and by virtue of what you have received, you are able to return that love back to him and give it to others. So that is when love becomes perfect. Perfect means in this sense or in this word complete. It's teleu. It means complete. That herein is our love made perfect. It is complete. So the love of God in many people's lives has not come to the place of completion or perfection because there is a break in transmission of how much of that love is received from God. So God wants you to um, not be dull of hearing and to have the right focus on his love so that there is nothing that stands in the way, but you receive it. It floods your spirit like Romans chapter 5 uh, um, teaches verse 5 says hearing is a, a hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit is lavishly poured on you by the Holy Spirit now when you receive that love in your heart there is an after effect of the love you have received that after effect is when that love is complete or perfected so it is at that point we say that the love of God is perfected in her life or the love of God is perfected in his life. So, for example, you have people who are in the same church, they're hearing the same word. Um, one is receptive to the message of the love of God and another hears it. It is mere knowledge, but not a revelation. What you're going to have is the aftermath, the effect of the love in the life of the one who has heard and received it will be totally different from the one who hears but doesn't understand or has not received it, right? So let's keep reading. It says, because as he is, so are we in this world. Then verse 18, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. And that is saying to you that if love is perfect, 
you will never find fear in it. If love is perfect, you will never find insecurity in it. If love is perfect, you will never find hatred, strife in it. You will never find um, insecurities or lack of confidence of who you are. There will be boldness. And let's keep reading this. Says, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. That's what the Bible says. So if you're afraid, it's because love has not had perfection in that area. If you're afraid of your future, you need to allow love perfect that area of your life. If you're afraid of um, um, your health, if you're afraid that one day you're going to get sick, you need to know how much God has loved you through the stripes of Jesus that he has made you whole and you have no reason to fear. You need to be perfected in love in whatever area you're afraid of, right? And, and it also says, um, we love him. Okay, where am I reading now? I'm reading verse... 18 it says there is no fear in love but perfect love casted out all fear because fear had torment he that feared is not made perfect in love then verse 19 it says we love him because he first loved us and that's the explanation that the the the, the journey of love begins from the father's love and as you receive it you give it to somebody else and you love the father back because of what you have received from the father and that's so important for you. You know, you, you're going to tire out if you keep loving people, you keep being a blessing to people and you're not receiving from the Father. You're going to burn out. You're going to, you will get to your wit's end. You will, you, will, you will get to breaking point eventually. But you see, um, I've come to learn, especially as a pastor, because there are a lot of people God has placed under your watch and under your scope. Um, it's a lot of people you are teaching and leading. You, you, you cannot keep doing all of that with people and not position yourself to receive from the Father. So even as a pastor, I would position myself to receive from the Father because what I teach the people, I also need to be a hearer of what I teach the people. I need to receive from the love of the Father and then in turn, I'm able to love others. So I'm, I'm a channel of what I'm receiving. As I've received, I'm therefore loving. And it is in that way we become mature. The one who is mature is the one who is perfected in love. And that's the summary of this conversation today. That if you are perfected in love, you are mature. The mature believer is not just the one who prays in tongues and people fall under the anointing when he says, lose your hold or, you know, or drives out demon. It's the one who carries the perfect love of the father and you can feel the vibe of the father's love around him that's the one who is spiritually mature for the word of grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified and the bible says that that love which has appeared to all men says the love the love of god and the kindness of god which has appeared so that grace is the love of god and the kindness of god so when you grow in your revelation of love you know People just feel that this conversation of love is a weak conversation. It's not a weak conversation. Love is not passive. Love is so active. If I let me put, let me tell you something. I've come to see that love is more powerful than hate. See, hate tries to always reduce love to where it is. But the moment you overcome evil with good, the moment you overcome hate with love, you have reason above hate and you have reason above the vessels of those who are bringing hate to you. 
So love is powerful and love is the tool to which God saved mankind. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So don't downplay the place of love. And love is not, when we say the love of God, we're not just talking about, we're not talking about romance. That's not what it is because when we say the love of God, a lot of people think about romance. So we see God meek and mildly, meek and, you know, lowly and, you know, meek and gentle. That Love is aggressive. It was love that kept him on the cross. It was love. It was love that in the place of pain, in the place of the severity of the nails and the pain, it was love that, he said, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and he despised the shame. It was love that made him do that. At that point, casting out devils did not really matter when he was on that cross. Casting out demons, all the people he raised back to life, that's not what count, that's not what would count at that period. What will count is his love to save humanity. And he says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Love, love is not, it's not passive. Love is not feminine. Love is not masculine. Love is divine. For the Bible says, God is love. And I want you to know that if you have the nature, if you carry the nature of love, you carry the nature of God. Anyone who wants to understand God must understand love. And you must come to that place of revelation of your love. That I mean of the love of God for you. You must come to that place. That is the reason why Paul said, I am persuaded that whether death, whether life, angels, principalities, good, bad, nothing can separate me from the love of the Father. And it's in that vein, Paul is able to go any length to preach. He says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So when you present love in front of you, the love of the Father, there is nothing that stands before you that equates the love of the Father. Look, it is the one who has received love that comes to that place of maturity and fullness. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 19 says, To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What makes you filled with all the fullness of God is the love of God. To know the one that passes knowing. To know, to have a revelation. The one that has, I mean, practical revelation, practical knowledge. I want you to know, my sister, my friend, you might be listening to me right now here and you're saying to me, um, certain pain and certain things will never go. Look, you can be healed. Oh yeah, you can be healed. You can be healed by beholding the Father's love. When you keep meditating on how much he loves you, you become, you become perfected in love. Fear is gone. Pain is gone. Bitterness is gone. Strife is gone. Unforgiveness is gone. The moment you keep focusing on the love that he has loved you with, it's just a matter of time. That love will complete. It will transition itself through you because you are receiving and it will touch your neighbor. It will touch your children. It will touch your wife. It will touch your husband. The reason why a lot of um, couples may be having a hard time, there are many reasons, but the reason why is because Maybe one is not perfected in love. And, you know, one of my mentors, Bishop Wale Ajayi, said something to me that whenever he is counseling married couples, there is one major counsel he gives them. That as you receive the love of the Father, it is that love you love your spouse with. Because if you try to love 
in and of yourself, there's a limitation to how much you can love. But when you are able to receive from the Father, you, you come to a place of completeness, right? So when people don't like you, you can still love them. When people insult you, when people backbite you, when people do... I've, I've, I've been in so many situations, right? And I have seen a lot of people um, um, who would bite the hands that feed them. Even me, myself, I have done things that I may not be proud of. And nobody is in that place where he says, oh, I have never done anything that is wrong before. I've never been in that place where I've never um, committed an offense. But if you have been healed by the Father's love, you will come to that place where you say, look, I can love, I can forgive, I can, I can be good to those who hate me. I can come to that place of understanding of my Father's love. I sense in my spirit that people are getting healed. At wherever you are, you're getting healed as you hear me. Um, even in your finances, it is affecting your finances because you know he loves you. He loves you so much and he will not leave you to suffer. You will not beg for bread. It is from the place of his love that you come into abundance. It is from the place of his love that you come into forgiveness. You come into, um, 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 you know, all the blessings that he has apportioned to you in Christ. And I want you to just receive his love today. Um, I want you to know that you have a responsibility to let that love complete itself in you and through you. There's somebody around you who needs to be loved by God. And you are the conduit to which that person is going to receive God's love. Allow the flow happen and you will not feel the pressure on yourself because you are receiving from the Father. Praise God. And I just want to, to, to get you to that point where you see that perfect love is possible in your life. And that perfect love casts away all fears in the name of Jesus. I speak to you right now in the name of Jesus that wherever you are, if there be any pain, if there be any past, if there be anything that has plagued you, that has um, bothered you, that has disturbed you in the name of Jesus Christ I decree that you are healed from it by the love of God you are delivered from it you are restored holy um, you come to the full experience practically of it in the name of Jesus Christ thank you father and you see you might be here right now um, you've gone through a terrible situation and somebody has gone through exactly the same thing that you have gone through because you know the love of God your outcome will, will not be like the other person's outcome. I'm not saying you should compare, but I want you to know that your outcome is guaranteed if you receive his love. And anyone who doesn't receive his love has subjected himself to the circumstances of life. So I want you to know that you are free to receive the Father's love today. Praise God, somebody. Um, you know, this, this subject is everything that, that Jesus came for. Um, he, was multi, he was inspired by love. It was an action of love. He lived a life of love. It was love that took him to that cross. And because the Father loved us, he has raised us up to be seated with him. And we are commissioned to also love. And, you know, even in the supernatural, before you pray for someone who is sick, did you know that, you know, one of the things that fuels the supernatural is compassion for the sick? And because there is compassion for the sick, there is virtue that flows out of your spirit. And then the sick becomes healed. Lord, I thank you today because everyone who has heard the sound of my voice is healed by the power of your love, is restored by the power of your love. Uh, lift, lift your hands wherever you are. Just pray in the Holy Spirit for 
a few brief moments and just receive the Father's love. Pray in the Spirit. And as you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Lord is restoring to you the years that the canker worm has eaten, the years that the locust has eaten. The Lord is restoring to you those wasted years and you have come to full restoration. You don't look like your experience, saith the Lord. You don't look like where you're coming, saith the Lord. I see a parallel of how they throw Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego into the fire. And when they came out of the fire, there was no scent of the fire on their dresses. You don't even smell the fire because you have received the love of God. And from today, because of that love you have received, misery has been converted to ministry. Your grief has come, has brought you to the place of glory. Your, 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 your pain has produced power. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Praise God somebody. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.